1: The Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a sports bar we just love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes the experience better. Look, obviously, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. I've done it for years. But watching the game in a place that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other dub fans is so much more fun. COVID stole that opportunity for a while but the aco has given it back the athletic club oakland has shut down their entire side street created an enormous outdoor space called the town gardens and filled that space with tables more than 15 huge tvs and their full complement of great food and drinks it's big it's comfortable it's a great spot to watch steph continue to rain threes during this incredible warrior season the nfl playoffs or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's family friendly. I can go there with friends and get way too passionate, or I can go with just my wife and kid and enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now my go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and I hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again.
0: we will bring you on into
1: our huddle. You are in the Warriors huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, big things on our plate today. I won't call it an emergency podcast. We kind of planned on uh, recording this anyways, but I will be transparent with you. This is going to be like a fucking therapy session for me, man. I have so much rage inside of me right now that I am hoping this is going to be the exact outlet I need to get past game two and start looking towards game three. How are you, man? What was your uh, watching experience like?
2: Uh, Very, very stressful. I mean, you know, look, it's one of those things where I want this to just be a competitive series that I'm excited about and like a little biased towards the Warriors, obviously, um, but just enjoying the basketball in general. And having that injury happen so early in the game, Really put a sour taste in my mouth Um, and it lingered long after the game was over. And I don't think, you know, I would have been happier with a win for sure, but it was just, it's just so uncomfortable, you know? And then Draymond goes down almost immediately after and goes to the locker room too. It just, it, it felt very off.
1: dude off sour lingered uncomfortable i'm fucking furious dude i'm losing my goddamn mind so i I went into last night watching with my wife and i told you i've had some kind of stressful watching experiences so i wanted to kind of be more hands-off you know like okay just enjoy this dude like it it is what it is you've got a team you love it's a rivalry go into this and don't be a crazy man and then somewhere around wiggins two-handed dunk First, I run around the house insanely, so I, I immediately lost credibility there. Then afterwards, I'm sitting there, soul as shit, super upset. My wife sees it, and it's trying to make me feel better. Dude. So she uses a line I've used on this uh, podcast a bunch of times. She goes, look, you know, don't need to be so upset. This is just a television show. And then I repeat that line to her in a children's voice, Maxime, and run to the back. This is just a television show. And then go to the back. For for no reason. I treated my wife like she was Dylan Brooks last night. And again, I'm not proud of it, dude. It was super ugly. But I tell you what, let's jump in because I got to get some of this crap off my chest. We're going to go straight to our golden questions. This is recorded immediately after game two, before game three. So if you're listening um, after game three, don't spoil anything for us. Here is our first question, Maxine. Should Dylan Brooks be suspended for what we watched last night? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, he should be
2: suspended. Um, I think there's there's precedent. I mean, I, I you know I was poking around on the internet to try to understand what that precedent actually is. Um, and you know, I, I okay, you know what? Hold on. Before we even get into the minutia of whatever that's about, just gut check, hundred percent. I mean, come on, it was it was a very dirty play.
1: Uh, so. Absolutely. Um, I am disgusted by that play. To borrow a quote from Steve Kerr, it wasn't physical. It was dirty. Uh, The last time we had this conversation, some similar version of this conversation, was Marcus Smart, right? And what we decided that what Marcus Smart did was a basketball play, but was a basketball play done recklessly. What fucking Dylan Brooks did last night was not a basketball play. He did not have basketball in mind in any way, shape, or form. Look, he he didn't purposely try to break GP2's elbow. That's not what I'm saying. But he sure as fuck purposely clubbed him when he was vulnerable mid-air. And to to borrow another quote from Kerr, he crossed a line, man. You know, this this was a dirty play. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's completely right. I mean, look, we're not just litigating whether or not it was a flagrant two. Obviously, it was a flagrant two. But, you know, I've gone back and I've watched the uh, Draymond ejection um, flagrant two from game one a couple of times. And quite frankly, you know, like I, I understand he hit him in the head. It's all the textbook stuff. That, that leads to a flagrant two, and then he paraded around the court and did not help his case out at all. But you can see him holding his jersey after he's already on the ground, right? Like Draymond cares. He's a basketball player. He gets heated, but then he was trying to do what he could to make sure his head doesn't smack against the ground too, right? That's a crazy basketball play, but it is nonetheless a, a basketball play ultimately. An elbow in the back, shoving the dude into the stanchion. That's not feeling like a basketball
1: play to me in the slightest. Well, this shit shouldn't matter, but it does. So, right, when, when we're talking about this, it should be objective. doesn't matter who Dylan Brooks fouled. It's just the foul, and, and then we make the decision from there. But I'm not capable of something uh, objective right now, man. It's entirely subjective, right? And look at who the fuck he did. it. So I did a little research, too. Gary Payton II is 29 years old. He's been mm-hmm. trying to break into this league since 2016, dude. He's played for 10 teams, including the Rio Grande Vipers twice and the South Bay Lakers. He clawed his way through the G League. He clawed his way through the Summer League. He clawed his way through all the shit that people have to do to suddenly reach their dream. And he did. He finally did. Right now, Maxine, not only got into a a rotation, got into a playoff rotation. And think about that, People use those opportunities, these playoff minutes, to not only change their lives, Change their families' lives, the kind of money that you can earn with the exposure that the playoff gives. I mean, we're talking generational money. Uh, the Warriors used to do shit like this. We had people like Corey Blunt and Jason Caffey, people who we had never heard of before. They had they go on a, a playoff run with a championship team like Chicago, and then lesser teams offer them an ass ton of money. Gary Payton had finally earned that opportunity. And instead of being able to take advantage of that, He finds himself with a broken fucking elbow because of a justifiably or I'm sorry, an unjustifiably dirty play. You know, it it, going back to should this result in a suspension? Of course it should. And it shouldn't just because it wasn't done with basketball in mind. And it shouldn't just because it was dirty, not physical. It should because they need to set a fucking example. Unless in, in the the league wants to tell everyone, look, it's okay to attack people when they're defenseless in the air, you know, and and if they come down and get hurt, fine, it is what it is. You'll be able to play in the next game. Something tells me that's not the message they want. And the only way to send a different message is to suspend Dylan Brooks. Well, look, I'm like I,
2: yes, I completely I completely agree with you. But I don't. We're not even at this point talking about sending a message. The message has already been sent. The precedent is already there. January twenty third, twenty twenty two. Bucks, Grace, and Allen suspended. Um, For one game without pay for having made an unnecessary and excessive contact against Chicago Bulls guard Alex Caruso, resulting in substantial injury to Caruso. I mean, look, the the president has already been set. That's exactly what I just said. This is not I don't think this is a question, right? It's almost the opposite case. If the example was set in January with Grayson Allen. And now he's not Dylan Brooks is not suspended. Um, It means that we have uh, an asymmetric understanding of, of how this is supposed to be officiated off the floor. And that doesn't make me feel good as a basketball fan, because now I don't trust what's fair and what's not, you know, it almost lends more credence to this idea that there's something going on behind the scenes with the refereeing from game one. um, If they're going to have this asymmetric uh, um, suspension criteria
1: i mean yes and i'll I'll, i'm gonna sell something else to you and it's kind of a random take so i you know do i think he should be suspended yes do i think he will be suspended yes um do i think he'll be suspended a fair amount of games no unless he has to sit out for as long as gp2 is hurt then no there there is no punishment that's going to fit the crime in this in particular instance but i'll give you another random ass thought i kind of hope he doesn't get suspended and here's fucking why um Chase has been impressive to me. And I think they now have everything they need to be bananas home crowd come game three. There's a lot of hate, but sometimes superheroes, you know, need a catalyst. They need something to, to push them into superhero. You know, uh, Peter Parker got bit by a fucking radioactive spider and then off he goes. Maybe the catalyst that the chase center needs to become a superhero home crowd is a straightforward villain. And you could not have asked for a bigger one than Dylan Brooks. So, you know, I meant if it's if it's game three and he happens to be out there, I hope, you know, we we turn a negative into a positive. We use this guy as a fucking lightning rod to, you know, circle the wagons, do this for GP2 and the crowd uses it to get bananas loud. Um, So I mean, we'll we'll see. I don't know when Brooks is coming back. Like I said, we're recording this at a time without information. But if he is out there, then Warrior fans use this shit as an upside, you know, as, as opposed to anything else.
2: Man, absolutely. And I, I thought for a second when the play actually happened, that that was going to be it, um, right there in game two. And then I realized, right. You you sent out a tweet, um, showing Bob Myers, uh, giving Joe Lacob some news. Right. And we have to think in retrospect that, you know, it was them knowing a little bit earlier on that this elbow injury was pretty serious. Um, that's devastating, right? If I'm a player on the warriors, which as we know, I, you know, I, I've had my stints with the warriors. Uh, it's um, weird, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a good time. Um, I had to retire early but it's not a big deal. Um, I, you know, I would be in shock, right? I wouldn't necessarily be playing in my best. I would kind of have it in my head. I'd be really sad for my guy. I'd be thinking about what if that happened to me, all that sort of stuff. It's the game three where you would see it really bounce back from this kind of an intense injury. So I'm with it. Warriors fans, let's get behind it. Um, and let's make chase Center even louder. You know, the, the Memphis FedEx arena, um, is being called out around the league for being a fantastic fan environment. Uh, I do not want to hear any comparisons um,
1: in a negative light to Chase. Look, the the gun has been thrown. We've been slapped with a white glove. The fucking duel is on. You know, the, the Warriors have Memphis players to deal with directly. Warriors fans, we got Memphis fans to deal with directly. And if you are in that stadium, I trust that our podcast has enough of a reach where thousands of people who are going to be in those seats are listening to this step up, we need you, this is the moment. And at the risk of going backwards, so what Maxine was talking about is right after the foul, um, or maybe not right after, five, 10 minutes after the foul, a video surfaces of Bob Myers coming out, sitting next to Joe Lacob and telling him something and then Lacob's reaction. And you can't hear anything, you can't hear their conversation, there's nothing like that. And I studied that fucking film like the Zupruder film. I mean, I was looking at like every angle of it. And for the first like, let's say that the film is, uh, is two minutes. For about one minute and 55 seconds, they're just talking and there's no facial expressions at all. And I'm like, I'm deep into, I try to be a a lip reader. I'm like looking at their eyebrows, like how does he look? And I'm telling Erica, like, I don't think it's that bad. And then right at like the 156 mark, Joe Lega puts his hand over his nose and and, and closes his eyes and looks down. And you're like, oh no, like he definitely just got shitty news. Here's our second question. Is this a rivalry now? So I'll go first on this one and give you some time to think. So this shit is pushing me towards a new definition of rivalry, Maxine. So the first time I covered this was when the Warriors were playing the Clippers all the time. And it wasn't just me, right? The the media talked about, is this a rivalry? And what we kept hearing, and I agreed with it then, is that no, rivalries are built over time. So until you have some some time in the playoffs and you got enough real big matchups to hate each other after a while, it's not a rivalry as much as you want to beat the other team. But this has changed that for me now. There are circumstances that makes you hate a team so much that they become an instant rival, right? So let's put this into practice. Yeah, let's say I play pickup hoops for six weeks in a row. And for five weeks, I play the same team. And every game is contentious and every game is hard as shit. Well, by that six weeks, my team, they're a rival. And I desperately want to beat them. You know, that's the kind of the earned hatred move that we've always had. Give you another example. Let's say I play one week and during that first game halfway through the opposing team throws the ball in my mom's face slaps one of my teammates, and calls my daughter a bitch well the next time we play them how desperately do i want to beat those motherfuckers man you can you can develop hatred depending on what somebody does in a single move and goddamn. Do I hate this Memphis team right now, man? I hate Jaws arrogance. I hate Jaron Jackson's ugly as fuck leaning forward jumper. I hate that Taylor Jenkins apparently dyes his beard red, dude. I even hate slow-mo's just giant forehead and awful game to watch. I hate this team now. And because of that, yeah, they're a rival. You know, congratulations. They are, they are, they have reached that peak for me true for you. How would you define these guys? A- absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I, I don't even need justification though. I'm going to give it to you. It's just a feeling, right? It's just like vitriol that I have towards them. Um, <laughs> But I can give you justification, right? I think there's precedent on both sides. I don't think it's an instantaneous thing, right? In 2019, um, when we got our 73rd win and Steph won over four hundred threes threes in a season, that was against Memphis. So you could see it start to be brewing right then they probably did not love that we were getting all of that, uh, all of those stats off on them right and then they're the ones that kicked us out of the playing tournament last year. Um, So it's all kind of culminating in what we've got right now. It's not really surprising. There's definitely some history on both sides, but I also think it's, it's what you're saying on the court. It's the way that jaw, you know, flings that pass over and then immediately is flexing at the bench in the middle of the first quarter. And it's like, you haven't, you're like up six. What, what is this? Um, You know, it's the way that like Taylor Jenkins doesn't really acknowledge um, Gary Payton's injury in, in his, in his, you know, in his comments today and is instead just sort of, saying that he's behind Dylan Brooks. It's that whole attitude of we're better than you when they still haven't won anything that just feels kind of like the opposite of how the Warriors behave. I know when we're like on the court, there is an attitude of like, fuck you and we're going to win. But like, these are, these are people that really respect their teammates, right. That you see after the game showing respect and showing love. and, And it's a, it's a brotherhood. And I just
1: don't feel like Memphis is in the basketball brotherhood. No, I mean, essentially that's what Kerr said with his comments, right? Is that we all understand what the playoffs are. You bring everything you have, you play as physical as you possibly can. And you also recognize that there is a fraternity. There is a brotherhood. There's an understanding that if someone's livelihood is at risk when, when they're in the air, you do not club them. Then it's a, I mean, it's a straightforward thing. You know, I don't, I haven't played one minute of playoff basketball, I'd, and I watched that and knew immediately that it crossed the line. Um, Erica, again, my wife, she watches the games, but not religiously. You know, she's more than a casual fan, but she's certainly not diehard. I showed her one replay of that, and she gasped, audibly gasped at what the hell went down. So, no, of course they've crossed the line. And, of course, this is this personal now. I mean, no, it, just, it just is what it is. It is straightforward personal now. Are you happy with what happened in Memphis? So I don't, I don't mean this last game, you know, they've played two games now they're coming home. They're one and one You look at the overall experience. Are you happy with what went down?
2: Man, look, uh, you, you- you're asking me to take out a bigger picture, right? And if you didn't give me any of the context, right? I was in space and I came back and I said, hey, what's the, what's the series at? And you say, it's 1-1. I say, hey, that's great, right? It's like really important to win one on the road. We, they no longer have home court advantage. That's a really good position for the Warriors to be in. Now, the specifics of what we saw over the past few games leaves a lot to be desired and we can get into that. But I think overall, the point is from a high level perspective, we should be feeling pretty good about where we're at coming back into game three with one caveat, which is that you said earlier, right, that Gary Payton made his way into the rotation. He made his way into our starting lineup. He was the primary defender on John Morant, and it showed when he was no longer in the game. And it does leave me with some concerns about our ability to hold him back without Gary Payton on defense. Of course, dude.
1: GP2 became the kind of code word we used to show people going into this series that we knew about the Warriors. Right. Like anyone I talk to, like, oh, you worried about Memphis. Well, you know who the key guy is. Yeah. Gary Payton, the second. I mean, and, and, and everybody dropped that. And for good reason. You know, there's a reason why he became that buzzword is because, yeah, I mean, we saw it fucking last night in the fourth. He's our best way to defend against Ja. So to answer the question, am I happy? Well, of course I am now being unhappy at this stage would like being uh, unhappy about winning a hundred thousand dollars because I didn't win a million. We we went there for something very specific. They needed to steal home court advantage. They did. Let's put that a different fucking way. Memphis spent 82 ridiculously arrogant fucking games during the regular season, earning home court advantage. Good for them. The Warriors spent 48 minutes snatching it away from their asses and they're coming home. So what did they want to do? They wanted to do that and they've accomplished it. So am I happy? Yes, of course am I happy. But am I also frustrated? Absolutely, because they used dirtiness. They went outside of the lines to take away our best option to defend their best offensive player. After this game, go on to social media. If it's not Warriors fans, what you're going to see is people torching Golden State for their inability to guard Jaw down the stretch. You know, that, that he, he put up 18 on us during the fourth quarter. Well, that's like going into someone's house, stealing their fire extinguisher, setting the house on fucking fire, and then be like, oh, you should have been more fire prepared. You know, they, they literally took away the thing that we had to stop this from going down. So, Warrior fans, big picture, okay? We, we are exactly where we want to be. We have a team that has the pedigree to deal with these emotions. And we now have a fan base who maybe needed a catalyst who have that catalyst. So look, are we in a position where we want to be? Yes. If I could objectively pick which one of these two teams I'd be rooting for right now, what advantage they have? It's Golden State. You know, they, they are on the upside. So don't mistake frustration for anything but frustration. You know, now that isn't to say these next few games are going to be fucking easy. It's going to cause me an aneurysm. It might cause me a divorce, Maxine. Things aren't going real well if I'm screaming in child's voice to my wife. But we are in a good place, which leads to our final question. 1-1, one, one. who wins this series and in how many games? Yeah, I'm saying Warriors in six. Uh, and, and
2: what it really comes down to is I think that the, uh, the home court advantage is going to matter, right? And so what that means to me is I think we're going to take the next two. And then I think Memphis is going to take game five because it's going to be on their home turf. I really do think, I mean, look, this series is extremely close. um, And I don't think that the rest of the games are going to be blowouts in either direction. Uh, And so the fans are going to actually be able to make a huge difference, which again, Bram, to what you've been saying this whole time, that means chase center really needs to step up. We just need need it. it. Like everybody who's listening, you know, let's hope like, go tell everybody else that's in the crowd, get everybody around you to be standing up from the
1: jump right away. Um, It's just so critical. If you've spent enough money to go there, you care enough about basketball, you care about basketball history, right? I mean, you care, you've, you've watched games, all those things. Well, guess what, Chase Center fan? You have a chance to affect history. You know, whatever happens in the next couple of games, they'll be talking about, this is part of the dynastic lore. You know, if if the bullet point is, oh, Memphis not only beat them, but their crowd you know, out cheered them, well, that's on you. This is your chance to make that difference. I agree with you, Warriors and Six, I hope to God what you said is right. I hope that they, they, you know, win these next two and, and it plays out the way you said um, I'm not sure it's what's going to go down. I can tell you that if they lose one of these next two, it's going to be real hard in the Hillsman household. You know, like I, I don't know how I'm going to take that. I don't even know if I'll be able to watch that loss, but uh. I do think based on what we've seen or let me, let me give you a, a less um, emotion-based reason. The Warriors gave that game away last night, man. They had 18 turnovers. They couldn't hit the side of the barn with their shot, right? Uh, John ja Morant had a historic a historic uh, playoff uh, performance, and good for him. But is there objective reasons to think why the Warriors can change that over when they're back at home? Of course there is. And I think that's going to go down, but I think it's going to be a, you know, white knuckle, hold on your fucking seats a uh, couple of weeks here. And hopefully the next time we speak, we'll be speaking – from a place of advantage, man. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. we'll see.
2: Let me, let me give you just one specific stat, right, to drive the point that you were saying home. Sure. Seven from 28, seven for 28 from three. Uh, that's just, that's historically bad. That is histo- That is 25%. The Warriors do not shoot 25% from three. Again, this series, I guarantee it. I, I, and I,
1: I'll leave it with this, and I'm I'm recency biased, especially when it comes to emotion for me, because emotion washes over me constantly, man. I hate five people, strangers, walking down the street all the time. But right now, as I sit here talking to you today, I can't think of a player I'd like to watch lose more than John Moran currently. Um, the, the disconnect for me between how he views himself and what he's actually already accomplished is enormous. Um he, Let me say this. John Moran is an incredible player with an incredible future. I do not remember seeing somebody with with the kind of hang time that he's brought and he's got balls, man, and he's got fucking moxie. But if he won the next 20 titles, he still wouldn't be as good as he currently fucking thinks he is. And I hope to God that he gets a chance to reflect and watch from our court as the Warriors walk off um, with a victory. And I guess we'll see it. Uh, For those who want to get us golden questions, Maxine, where should they send them? Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. If you want to hit us on uh, social media, we are at Warriors Huddle. Um, And with that in mind, go Warriors. Chase Center, stand up. Stand up. I, I mean, if nothing else, if nothing else, stand up and be in your seats. And with that in mind, go Warriors.
0: Good, good.